Hi, friends. Welcome to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. I'm Leona Evans, and I'm here today with my son and co-host, Matthew J. Evans. Hi, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. We have a fantastic topic to talk about today. I'm really, really excited about it. It's the topic called very often our many selves or the various subpersonalities that inhabit the spectrum of our consciousness. Now, for those of you who have not heard about the concept of our many selves in psychospirituality, this is going to sound unusual. Those of you who are familiar with the topic will gain greater insight and greater understanding as we go along. But the whole premise of our many selves begins by acknowledging that part of the human condition, in other words, the part of our existence that keeps us from understanding ourselves to a greater and fuller degree, is the belief that we have one self. This is who I am. The self that's speaking to you now is the only self I have. And I know all about myself. I know everything I need to know. Nobody can tell me about myself because I know more than anybody. Does that sound familiar? It does. It definitely does. I think that's something uh, I've done. And I think that's something we've all, everybody struggled with uh, for, to one degree or another. Yes, we really don't like to be told who we are. Uh, one of the main reasons is that we keep a lot of things to ourselves. Our ego is very prominent. We don't like to be seen in vulnerable positions. We like to know exactly what it is that we don't like about ourselves and try to keep it under wraps and also emphasize the things that we do like about ourselves and pray that other people will notice them and notice what an effort we're making to get along in the world. But when people come along and have an insight about us or decide to question our motivations, we can become extremely defensive. How would you know that? Where are you coming from that makes you think that way? And not that those things don't happen occasionally, but most of the time we feel really vulnerable when we are quote-unquote seen for qualities that we prefer to keep hidden. The challenge is we can't always keep those qualities hidden. And when we do act out, when we do express our anger and frustration or deep fear or any other so-called negative emotion, we are often criticized not only by others but by ourselves for allowing something to happen that we should have had control over. Uh, people will say, you weren't yourself. And we think, who was I? Who was that voice that came into my consciousness and told off my boss when I've been keeping that under wraps for the past 10 years? Where did that come from? So we think of those other qualities or attributes as not me. And we build up an idea of who our self should be. And we try really, really hard to, to demonstrate that in our everyday lives. This causes tremendous stress for us. 
because these qualities, these attributes need to be examined. We need to understand that they're aspects of our own consciousness, such as the inner child or the inner critic. There are other aspects of self, the wise one, the the fool, the orphan, so many identities that reside within the spectrum of our consciousness, and we can't keep control over them. Also, it's important to remember that the more we disregard or try to ignore those qualities, the more diminished our own sense of self becomes. Yeah, if we're judging aspects of ourselves harshly, we're really diminishing ourselves. Like you're, like you were saying, we're really putting a lot of pressure on ourselves, putting a lot of shame on ourselves. It can really kind of damage our psyche and, and create this tension among our many selves because there's one sort of pointing a finger at another, but it's us pointing at ourselves. You know, we have to kind of accept some aspect of ourselves. The more we accept that we are many selves, the more able we are to own and acknowledge the many dimensions of our consciousness and the less likely we are to project the negative qualities in ourselves that we refuse to see onto others. Most of what we call consciousness is buried in the subconscious or the unconscious phase of our minds. But because of our resistance because of our need to keep control of who we are, we dismiss the other aspects of our consciousness and we try to maintain a firm control on who we are. What we don't realize is that if we were to surrender to the process of self-discovery, not only would we find some glorious and fantastic aspects of consciousness, but we would be far less resistant to growth and change. We would be happier. We would find that we would argue with ourselves much less. Now, anybody who doubts that we have many selves would question the fact that we can argue with ourselves. If we can argue with ourselves, who is the self that started the argument? Is it we or we? Is it, am I the person that is at fault or is it my fault? I think it's a little bit of everything. I I think uh, our many selves uh, can create a lot of uh, cognitive dissonance in us. You know, the the inner critic, the observer, the wounded child, they can all be kind of sending messages to each other that get our wires crossed emotionally. That is true. And very often when we understand that there are many selves, we can be much more non-resistant when we find ourselves experiencing an attitude that is not part of our so-called quote-unquote normal self. We say, I don't know what came over me. I wasn't myself. Well, who would you be then if you weren't yourself? Would you say that this was a part of yourself Yes, if it if it came from us, then it has to be a part of ourself. It might not be a part of ourselves that we are very familiar with. It might be kind of an unexpected part of ourselves. A lot of good and a lot of negative can come from those unexpected parts of ourselves. But 
uh, the the challenge, the lesson, the point of growth is about accepting all of those different selves so that we can sort of see our full potential, but also not shame ourselves for something that we might be resistant to or in denial about. Very good point. You see, if we could accept the fact that there are archetypes that occupy our consciousness, the consciousness of all humanity, we can understand that each of them is coming from a different perspective. We have the brilliant, uh, wise, uh, sage, the the individual within us, the, the sub-personality that sees things from, from a very advanced perspective, that understands things, that's able to take abstract concepts and bring them into everyday use. We can be brilliant, but there are times when we can come out with something like that and we'll say, who was that? That wasn't me. <laughs> who was that? That was that was not me because I'm not usually that brilliant or I'm not usually that smart or from a negative perspective, I'm not that angry. That's not who I am. And we need to figure out two things. Number one, it is who we are, and it might not be who we want to be. But because we're limited in our perspective, we don't understand how embracing those many selves will give us the incredible opportunity to see ourselves in others, to take advantage of those brilliant and more loving and and more highly evolved aspects of our consciousness, and also to learn a great deal from those unwanted parts of consciousness that we have rejected and refused to get to know because we don't want to have anything to do with them. Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is one of my favorite pieces of literature that discusses the denial that we experience when we meet up with an unwanted part of self. We separate into two different levels of consciousness, warring factions within ourselves, and we don't understand that these sub-personalities are actually identities within us with their own beliefs and their own likes and dislikes, all vying for attention, all trying to be the ones that are closest to our mouth. Right, that was the fallacy of Dr. Jekyll's whole mission. He wanted to create a potion that would remove the evil within humanity, but by cutting off that part of himself, he created this kind of separate personality. Like, instead of getting rid of it, it just boxed it all unto itself, which, leaving it uncontrolled, is way worse than trying to keep it managed. Oh, definitely. The uncontrolled aspects of our consciousness, which are often referred to as the shadow within us, can come bursting forth and will definitely do so the more we suppress our negative emotions. And so what do we do with our negative emotions? What do we do if we suspect that there are aspects of our consciousness that we wish weren't there, but we know we can't force them to go away. Well, we need to accept them. We need to practice non-resistance. We need to do some 
big-time study on our many selves and figure out which of those aspects of consciousness are repugnant to us. Why do we refuse to acknowledge that they are a part of us? There's a danger in not acknowledging it, not only, as we said before, the tragedy of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, but the fact that if we don't acknowledge our own dark side, we will unconsciously project it onto others. And this, of course, is a great source of what we call evil in the world, the unconscious projection of our own dark side onto others. Right. And that's such a source of polarization nowadays, because so many of us are projecting what we are really sort of resisting, or in in many cases, in denial about something in ourselves. And when we see it in somebody else, it's that much more infuriating or antagonizing to us, because really, we're resisting it in ourselves. So if we're you know, pointing that finger out there going, oh my gosh, I can't believe those people being so stubborn, being so obstinate, being so resistant, being so high and mighty, or whatever it is, it might be something that we're actually kind of really dealing with ourselves. Well, as I have said for many years, if I won't accept it in myself, I'm certainly not going to accept it in you. Right. And that, that is a great piece of self-knowledge because it opens the door to my having a discussion with the other members of my consciousness. And I need to ask the thing that offends me so much about that other person or that other group of people Have I never said those things to others? Have I never felt those things? Perhaps I don't like myself when I behave that way, but it doesn't alter the fact that I do behave that way, and I do think those thoughts. And what happens when I admit that to myself is that I have an opportunity to engage that self in conversation, to ask why she believes the way she does. What is her basis for feeling this anger and this fear and this tension against the group that I believe is at fault when the fact is that I possess some of those same qualities? What can I do to learn more about that self and develop greater compassion and understanding? Developing understanding is certainly the goal, but it can be really difficult, especially when it feels like those parts of ourselves are something that is so uh, annoying to us on the lighter side, but something where it's even, you know, morally reprehensible on the other side of the extreme. You know, it, it can it can be some really difficult stuff that we have to process, but if we're not developing that compassion, then we're really just carrying that resentment toward ourselves. Indeed. Indeed, we are. Well, are all of our many selves in the darkness? Are they all potentially uh, challenging and, and difficult to handle? Absolutely not. Some of the least discovered parts of our consciousness are what Carl Jung referred to as the gold in the shadow. Great talents, great opportunities to reason and to understand and to express ourselves and to be of wonderful service to people, to 
be able to reach out into the world and understand that we have within us the capacity to express all the characteristics that will enable us to live life to the fullest, to live with a sense of clarity, a sense of focus, a sense of purpose, to understand the passions within us, to really know what it feels like to be at peace without listening to our inner critic jabbering in our ear 24-7 and reminding us of how poorly we've performed and how inadequate we are. Yeah, being able to identify the critic is is so much easier than believing all the negativity that can come from it. It's so interesting to me how our goal here isn't to get rid of these qualities or these aspects of ourselves, because that's impossible. It's like cutting off a part of ourselves, but it's just acceptance. We're not, we're not getting rid of these aspects of ourselves. We're just accepting them. We're trying to reshape them, redirect that energy. Exactly. And one thing that's really important about the inner critic as an aspect of our consciousness as one of our many selves is that we need to have conversations with that critic. You know that my critic, I've named Aunt Rose, and your critic is called? Rod. And he's been around for a while, and I'm very familiar with uh, how he sounds, and and uh, it's it's a process, you know, trying to deal with 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 that aspect of myself when I'm trying to do my work or do my music. Oh, absolutely! But you see, when you get to know the inner critic, and let me say this parenthetically, that when we're in the process of self-examination. We can call forth our many selves, and they will respond to us from their deepest values. For example, I will call forth Aunt Rose. Do you want to ask her any questions, Matthew? Sure. Um, Yes, uh, Aunt Rose, why are you so harsh? (laughs) Why am I so harsh with Leona? You want to know why I'm so harsh? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you why. She doesn't realize how vulnerable she is. She, she takes too many chances. I'm afraid for her. I know that things aren't going to work out well. They never work out well. Most people live lives of quiet desperation, to quote the philosopher. And so I want to protect her, and I want to tell her not to take risks, not to believe in herself, because she'll be hurt, she'll be let down, she'll be destroyed. And that is my job. That's the way I think. That's who I am. And I'm surprised that she doesn't listen to me more often. Mm, It's so sad hearing that and and knowing that we listen to those kind of voices so often. I, I relate to that kind of critical voice myself. And what's interesting hearing Aunt Rose describe who she is, is that... It doesn't sound like she's really coming from a place of, of hatred or resentment toward toward you. It's it's really coming from a kind of fear and a kind of protection, but it's like a protection instinct that's gone too far and become almost pathological. Exactly. And when we're talking about those so-called negative aspects of our own consciousness, part of our many selves, we have to realize that they're born during times of great trauma or stress for us. Aunt Rose is a type of individual, but very, very limited. 
only limited to that trauma, and it's as though that energy freezes in time and continues to repeat its traumatic experiences. The bottom line is our inner critic's information is very limited and very skewed. Aunt Rose might be loud, Aunt Rose might be very talkative, but Aunt Rose is not that smart. She doesn't have perspective. As a matter of fact, I found out a great deal about her one day years ago when I had done something that I wasn't proud of uh, or that I had gotten intense criticism for, and I was berating myself. Uh, In other words, Aunt Rose was berating me. How could you have been so stupid? How could you have let that happen? How could you have been that careless? And it was relentless to the point where I, who felt like a wounded child, said, Aunt Rose, is there any way I can please you? And without missing a beat, she said, no, I'm your critic. It's my job to criticize. That's what I do. And suddenly, the whole world opened up to me in a way that I hadn't experienced before. I really began to grasp the deep meaning of our many selves and how each one has a specific attitude, a specific mission, and it will continue to bombard us with that mission until we are able to recognize it, accept it, converse with it, embrace it, and allow it to coexist with the other aspects of self. Yeah, it's really tough to argue with the critic, but when we're aware that that voice that we're hearing at that particular moment is the critic, then we can kind of put it in its context. Now, it's not, you know, our true, honest self coming at us going, oh my gosh, you're not going to make it, it's not going to happen. We can go, oh, no, that's the critic. Of course you're saying that, because that's your job. You're going to be worrying, and you're going to be catastrophizing, and you're going to be assuming the worst. But... That's what you do, and I don't have to necessarily indulge that for the rest of myself. Exactly. We don't have to indulge it. All of our many selves have an appropriate place in consciousness, but when they get out of hand, when they're allowed to take over and express unlimited fear and anger, that's when we need to call forth another self. And this self is called the observer. The observer is an invaluable aspect of self because it is able to gently say, your critic is getting out of hand. There's too much fear. It's not rational. It's not logical. And it's not true. Once we hear that observer self, we get a grip on what it is we're going through and are able to take a deep breath, relax, and gently send Aunt Rose off to do another job. And if we continue to do that on a regular basis, we end up eventually breaking the cycle of the abusive behavior that we allow to take place in our consciousness. So we need to continue to observe ourselves, interrupt the cycle of abuse, and put an end to the endless loop of the inner critic. Before we go, I'd like to remind you of a most special inner self. 
and I call that self our spiritual mentor. Each one of us has a spiritual mentor to remind us of who we are, regardless of how many challenges we face, regardless of how many mistakes we appear to make, and regardless of how many times we have to learn the same lesson over and over again. Our spiritual mentor says, You are wise and wonderful. You were made in love by the one presence and the one power. You have so many abilities within you that you can find when you tap into some of your many selves and explore your countless gifts of the Spirit. You are a good person, good by nature, created in love. And just as the acorn contains the oak tree inside of it, each of us has a blueprint for our own divine design. We are worthy of living life to the fullest. And that is something that we can only discover as we move through our many selves and discern which messages are appropriate and true and which are just lies and limited thinking. Our spiritual mentor is always there for us, and we need to invite them into our conscious awareness and listen to their messages of truth. Thanks so much for listening to the Get Off Your Affirmation podcast. Please connect with us on our Facebook page and on our website, getoffyouraffirmation.com. We really look forward to hearing from you. Have a wonderful week. You deserve it.